shall not steal. Now, is it? Stop, stop there, just a minute. We got a lot more to read, but let me just tell you he's not just talking about an arbitrary rule that you shouldn't be a stealer. No, because you steal stuff from your neighbor, you steal stuff from other people. Now, let's keep reading for a second. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord and I want your neighbor to know that. Okay, I inserted that part. I'm just seeing if you're following me. Why doesn't he want his name misrepresented? Because then your neighbor won't really know who he is. Verse 13, you shall not oppress your, are you with me, neighbor, or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Like you got to pay him what you promise, right? Verse 14, you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord, fear your God. I am the Lord, he says again. Verse 15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall judge your neighbor. That doesn't mean you should judge your neighbor. What he's saying is give justice to judge your neighbor fairly, treat your neighbor fairly, fight for justice. 16, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your Neighbor, I am the Lord, he says a third time. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So when Jesus said this, A thousand years later, more than a thousand years later, this wasn't a new concept. It's always been a part of the heart of God. God's always been for your neighbor. Always. God's always said, I love them. And part of why I'm leaving you here, part of why I saved you, part of why I use you is so you can serve and love your neighbor and point them to me. I don't know if you realize this, but part of the reason God just didn't take you to heaven, if you chose to follow Jesus, then then listen, it would be better off for you to be in heaven with God now. It really would if we believe what heaven is all about, right? But why did God leave us here? Because our neighbor still matters and God still wants to use us to point people to him. God's heart's always been for our neighbor. And this doesn't just tell us to love our neighbor, but it tells us how to do it, doesn't it? So we've talked about over the last few weeks, who is our neighbor? Why does our neighbor matter? What's the big deal about this? Why should we love our neighbor? In fact, last week, if you were here, we talked about, Lee Clamp talked about how to have conversations with our neighbor, how to talk, how to have casual conversations, move them to spiritual conversations, how to talk about spiritual things because there's more that matters than just how the weather is and how, what fertilizer do you use on your grass, right? I mean, that's a great way to start. 
But life has some important things that we have to talk about with our neighbors. So last week we talked about conversations. But today, here's the deal. We're going to get very practical and pragmatic. So get your pen ready. If you've got a pen and a piece of paper, I'm just going to give you some ways for us to begin to really love our neighbor. It's time to build relationships beyond block parties, beyond the surface, beyond the small talk. It's, it's time to get real practical and have a plan and say, okay, if my neighbor matters, and if Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God and love my neighbor as myself, then I'm going to start today. That's what God's calling us to do. So if, if we're going to really love our neighbors, I'm going to give you five ways for us to do it. And they're simple. There's nothing magical about this. It's just very practical. The first one is to be intentional. We have to be intentional. Loving our neighbors is not a random thing. It's not going to automatically happen. While you're watching Netflix, it's not just going to automatically ooze out of you the love for your neighbors, right? It's not going to automatically happen when you pull into your driveway into your garage. My life is busy. Raise your hand if your life is busy. Just, just raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, then i got some things I need you to do. For me. Here, here's the thing. Our lives are busy. Our lives are distracted. And so are your neighbors. Listen, it's going to take some time and energy. Listen, we, we at Church of Cambay believe this is a really big deal, this neighboring thing. That's why we're spending so many weeks on it. Like it is a part of what we're called to do as we take responsibility for this community. And we have to all do it. But it's going to cost you. Like, let me just warn you. If you're really going to follow the command of Jesus in this, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to lay something else down in order to do this. Probably your phone, but probably other things too. It's going to cost you time and energy. So what's your plan for this? As we've been walking through this, if you've been here each week, the question I've been asking myself is, what's my plan? If this is that important, how do I make the time and space in my life? What are the first steps I need to be taking in order to change the way I neighbor? Because when I filled out that little thing where I had to write down my eight neighbors around me, I mean, there's some names I didn't know, but there's a lot of other stuff I didn't know. Like, I couldn't remember their kids. I couldn't remember where hardly any of them worked. There's a lot of work I need to do just to pay attention and engage. Maybe it's just learning information. For some of you, maybe it's just walking the dog. It's walking across the street to meet your neighbors. Some of us need to just break the ice with some of our neighbors. Maybe plan a party. We talked about a block party. Maybe just talking at the mailbox. Maybe hanging out in the front yard more. Maybe going to the pool more. Not because you love the neighborhood pool and all the kids splashing you. But maybe it's because you need to be there to engage your neighbor. But here's the deal. For some of you, it's time to dig a little bit deeper with some of your neighbors. It's time to go to the next level from casual conversations to extended conversations. And as we've been walking through this, I've been thinking about some of my neighbors. And I've begun to pray for some of my neighbors. If you haven't written some of your neighbors' names down in the front of your Bible or somewhere on an index card on your refrigerator, unless they come over and see that, then it's weird to see their name on your refrigerator. But... Somehow move from acquaintance to relationship. So how do we do that? Well, I've already told you we've got to be intentional. You've got to plan it. You've got to sit down. You've got to talk about it. 
You've got to drop something else to do it. But the second thing is this. We have to create opportunities. Now, <clears throat> I already told you it's not going to randomly happen. It's not going to automatically happen. I've learned, and you probably know this too, the best relationships are made over food. Am I right? Food is a great way to get to know somebody. It's just a part of life. This was true in the Bible too. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. But here's the deal. You need to plan on, and, and, and I'm just going to give you a rule. It's arbitrary. It's just Will's rule. You don't have to abide by it at all. But you need to plan on, if you're going to be serious about this, you need to have somebody in your home that you are feeding dinner to or having dinner with once a week for a while if you and I are going to get serious about this. That's a great goal. Maybe you're already doing that and you could do more. Maybe you just have the gift of hospitality and that's easy for you. Maybe you're an introvert and you don't have the gift of hospitality and that's work. Maybe it's even a little scary as I say it. What about, here, here's some other opportunities you can create. Kid play dates. If your kids are little and there's a park in your neighborhood or a park nearby, it's a great way to, for mom, for you to connect with other moms, invite other moms on your street to go with you. Maybe it's shared hobbies. Guys, you know, I don't know if you like to run or bike or guys and girls or play golf or go to the gym or go shopping or cooking or high school football games are about to start at Cane Bay High School. Like it's great to invite a neighbor. Would you go with me to the high school to watch the football game? It doesn't even like, maybe you like to watch um, professional football, NFL on the TV on Sunday afternoons. Like Invite your neighbor to watch it with you. Do it with someone else. Maybe, maybe serve your neighbor. We've been talking about this. This is maybe keeping their kids. You know, one of the great things for my wife and I when our kids were little is when somebody that we trusted or, and so that is a part of it. You have to know your neighbor enough that they trust you with this. But when somebody would say, hey, why don't you guys go out on a date night and let us keep your kids? The first thing we would always say is, nah, you don't have to do that. But inside we're thinking, yes, please do it. Please, like, offer one more time and we're going to take you up on it. I, I promise you it is a great way because their kids are probably the way to their heart too. You understand that, right? It's true for you. Maybe cut their grass. We've talked about that in this series. Maybe get something for them when you're away on vacation or out of town and just say, I mean, it could be a little weird, but just say, hey, we saw this and thought of you. Maybe you're at the farmer's market and you just saw something you'd like and you got extra and just shared it with your neighbor. We had a neighbor do that recently. Maybe, um, maybe you cooked something for them, cooked extra cookies because you were that night. It's not because they just moved in their house, it's just because you like them. We, had an extra, we cooked an extra pie, we wanted to share it with you. Here's one we've talked about in the series, receive from them, right? It's giving to them and serving them is one way, but receiving from them is just important. And let me talk about that for a minute. Maybe ask them to get your mail or feed your dog or keep your kids. So it's just important to offer to keep their kids. What if you just ask them to keep yours? You probably need a date night or a night out or time alone. Here's the deal. It shows that you trust them. Right? Maybe you're at a point where we've had lots of people at Church at Cane Bay do this, where you've, you've had conversations enough that... Maybe it's time you ask them to sit down 
and read the Bible together with you. Maybe they know you're a Christian. Maybe that's come up and you've started spiritual conversations and you've said, maybe it's time for you to say, hey, you want to read the Bible together? We've had lots of people at church that came in, and that's the scariest question ever. I know it is, but I'm just going to tell you the power that happens in that. Now, we call them huddles when we do that. You don't have to tell your neighbor that. Like, you want to huddle with me? They'll be like, what? Unless they already know what that is, but there's nothing wrong with, hey, why don't we have coffee? So we can just talk about Scripture and what God says, and I don't know all the answers, but we could talk about it together. You've got to create opportunities if you want to build relationships. The third thing is this, be ready for messiness. So let me just tell you that your neighbors have needs. You know how I know? Because you do. People have problems. It's true. They all have problems. This is where I want to warn you. If you really want to get to know your neighbors, things are going to get messy. All right? Relationships are always complicated and contain conflict. People have baggage. When you go beyond scratching the surface, eventually it's going to expose their hang-ups, their quirks, their issues, their dysfunctions. But fear of this messiness... Fear of the complication is what keeps us from going beyond the surface, isn't it? So we don't want to get too invested. Like, we don't want to go, oh gosh, I don't want them to know my problems and I don't want to know theirs. All right, I'm going to take you back for just a minute. Remember when we started this series, we talked about the story of the Good Samaritan? All right, maybe most of you probably know the story of the Good Samaritan. In the story of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan man is is a good neighbor to the injured man that's on the side of the road, right? He treats his wounds. What else does he do? He bandages them. He takes him and finds him a place to stay, pays for it, says if it costs more, I'll pay for it later. But listen, it's a big deal what he does, right? It's a big deal. That's why Jesus illustrates it and says, who is the best, who's the neighbor here? Who's the good neighbor, right? And we know it's that guy. It's a big deal. But, but I wanted to point out something that you may not have thought of in the story. It's a sacrifice for the guy to stop, take time, bandage his wounds, find a place to stay, and pay for it. But did you know that then the Samaritan guy goes on on his way? He goes on to work, or wherever he's going. And he says, I'll come back through later. But he, he goes on about his life. Once he helps him, he, he goes on. He doesn't cancel all of his plans and, and drop everything. There, listen, there's a difference between offering someone a hand and a handout, right? There's a difference in helping them or doing it for them. Sometimes in our effort to help, we begin to actually hurt. Now, here's what I want to talk about. There's a book that I read some years ago called When Helping Hurts. And it's really about missionaries on the mission field who serve and love other people. And in the process of that, they've, they've stumbled into enabling them or rescuing them or fixing them. And that's not what we're really trying to do with our neighbors, right? The command says, love your neighbor, not fix your neighbor. Does it? doesn't say rescue your neighbor. Jesus is plenty capable of that, right? So, so here's the deal. Your goal is not to make someone dependent on you. You're not the hero in the story. So as we love our neighbors, our goal is to love our neighbors and point them to Jesus. That's it. And, and as
because we do that, we do serve them and love them. And we help them take responsibility and and talk to God about their problems and their issues. But they have to be the decision maker, not you. Now, that's just a disclaimer. It's just a warning because I promise you it's going to get messy in the process. And you do need to care, but you don't need to solve it. Does that make sense? Don't let the messiness keep you from your neighbor. But ask God and other, others around you to give you wisdom as you engage in their messiness, right? Uh, for instance, um, I had a neighbor that recently lost their job. And, you know, in, in a case like this, when someone loses their job, and they were in desperate financial need, and, and maybe you've been there before and you know what it's like, and sometimes God may prompt you to give financially to them, and that might be the right thing to do. What your neighbor really needs is a job, right? It's what they want. They want to provide for their family. They want to work hard. At least we want them to want that, right? So, so it might be harder, but instead of just giving a handout, and, and maybe that's the way you begin, but... A a good neighbor says, hey, how can I help you in that? How can I encourage you? How can I ask around to see what opportunities are in my network? Can I look over your resume for you? Can you ask a question each week about how many applications did you put in? How did that interview go? Because that shows you really care. You're not just trying to fix them or solve them, but you love your neighbor. It's different, right? Relationships can be messy and complicated. Here's the next thing I want to tell you is this, is you and I need to focus on a few neighbors. Now, you can't love everybody in your neighborhood, okay? You're not even supposed to really be in deep relationship with everybody in your neighborhood. You can't pay equal amount of time, equal amount of love, equal amount of service. You can never be everyone's best friend. In order to say yes to some of your neighbors, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to say no to others. Does this make sense? All right, so listen. Even Jesus did this. Now, you may think he didn't, but he did. So so in order to say yes to some, you're going to have to say no to others. In order to neighbor well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God, which neighbors are you putting on my heart? Like, which neighbors do I really need to be paying attention to, and ask God for help in that. Second thing, I want you to look for common ground, common interest, people who are similar life stage, maybe. Look for open doors and open hearts. Look for neighbors who actually want to be your friend. If they don't want to be your friend, be careful of stalking. You may be interested in relationship. They may not be right now. Just pray for their readiness for them, right? Jesus modeled this, so I told you this just a minute ago. He chose 12 disciples. He chose 12 disciples in a world of millions and millions, right? What about all the others? I don't know, but Jesus chose 12, right? Is it okay? Yeah, it was all right. He's Jesus. But guess what? The 12 he chose, if you look at their stories, they they were the same gender. They were similar life stage as he was. Is that okay? Yeah. Jesus related to them. They're from the same area. And guess what? Even among those 12, guess what? 
he chose three that he was the closest to. And oftentimes he would slip away, go up to a mountain, go somewhere else, and he would just take three. What about the other nine? Weren't they going, I want to go with Jesus? I don't know. But Jesus spent a great amount of time with three. Peter, James, and John. Jesus was strategic about how he spent his time. He wasn't afraid also to let some people walk away. Because again, Jesus, Jesus understood this whole deal. That, that You remember the time when the rich young ruler, Jesus is having a conversation with him and he's asking and Jesus answers him and then he walks away and in that moment I'm thinking to myself, Jesus say, no, just come back. Let's talk a little bit more. And Jesus doesn't do that. There was also a time when lots of followers decided that they would walk away and not follow Jesus anymore. And he doesn't beg them to stay. There was a time when Jesus fed 5,000 people, Right? And, and, and at the end of their feeding, him, his feeding them, he multiplied the food and fed them all. They wanted to make him their king. And what did Jesus do? He slips away quietly and like hides up in the mountains. I'm just telling you, Jesus understood how to be strategic with a few. And listen, he was with those 12 and he spent a lot of time with those 12. And then those 12 spent strategic time with others and others. And you and I are here today because of that. You can't spend time with everybody. Jesus taught this principle to look for a person of peace. I want to read a, a, a verse for you in Luke chapter 10 that says this. Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples. He's sending out his 12 disciples into towns and villages nearby. And look, look at what he says. He says, whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon them. But if not, it will return to you. Now you may read that verse and go, what in the world is he talking about? A son of peace? When Jesus sent them out, he told them to look for a person of peace and stay with them there at that house and don't move on anywhere else. But if it's not a person of peace, if you're not welcome there, if you don't find that, then move on. Shake the dust from your feet and move to another place. Now, what is this about? Listen, Jesus said, look for people who are connected with other people. Look for people who are hospitable. Look for people who are respected. People who have a natural connection with others. Don't look for people that are divisive. People who divide and and distract, but look for persons of peace. Now, here's the thing. Think about your neighbors for just a minute. Think about your neighbors. You probably already know people around you and your neighbors that are really good neighbors, maybe better than you, right? Right? You guys, are you with me? So, they may, may or may not be followers of Jesus yet, but they are persons of peace. Now, on our street, we have some neighbors, I hope they're not here this morning. Anyway, um, we have some neighbors who know everybody on our street. They know everybody. They're way better neighbors than we are. They genuinely care about others and help others. They know about them and it's genuine. They host parties at their house. They're accepting of everyone. Now here's the deal. They don't believe exactly the same way we believe and they don't live exactly the same lifestyle as us, but they are great neighbors. Why would I plan a block party without including them and getting them involved to be a part of it? They are persons of peace on our street and everybody knows it. 
Everybody knows it. Instead of doing my own thing, you know what I've already determined in my neighborhood, on my street, is I'm going to join with them. Any party on my street needs to involve them. Now, here's, here's the thing you need to know. Recently, we had two divorces happen on our street, and they were very messy. Our neighbors, who are persons of peace, were there during all of that with both of those families. And recently, these particular neighbors that I know are persons of peace said something like this to me. You know, we should plan some dinner gatherings or something where we all get together and then he said this to me, and I mean, not, and not do like a study or a sermon or anything. He knows that I am a pastor, and he goes, not do something like that, but can we just like talk about marriage like around dinner and stuff? And I have to be honest, it scares me to death. But it also excites me that the person of peace on my street just asked me to talk about things that matter with our neighbors. And guess what? He's the one that can get everybody together. They'll trust him and listen to him. Now we have some other neighbors who are already believers up the street. And they're nice people. Our kids are the same age, similar interests. Seems like we'd make easy friends, and we have. But they don't really know anybody else. Isn't that interesting? They're busy. Look for people who are not cul-de-sacs, but people who are connectors. They care about others too. Be friendly with everybody, but focus on a few. If Jesus did it, you can. So I want to ask you this. In your head right now, you can even close your eyes as you think about this. Picture three of your neighbors right now, two or three of your neighbors that you already think, those are the people I think God might be calling me to pray for and be intentional about and create opportunities. Just think of them in your head right now. Get their names in your head. And I want you to focus this week. I want you to do something. I want you to do something. Now, you can open your eyes and look at me if you still got your eyes closed. Don't go to sleep. So, here's the thing. Over lunch today, would you make a plan? Would you make a plan, decide what you're going to do this week to be intentional, create opportunities, be ready for messiness, focus on a few, look for a person of peace? Now, at the end of the Bible, here's what I want to tell you. This is really important, so listen to this. At the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is talking about people who are apathetic about Him. He's talking about people who are lukewarm. In other words, they ignore Him. They aren't opposed to him. Think, think about this for a minute. They're not opposed to Jesus. They just don't really care anything about him. They're just kind of apathetic about the whole spiritual thing. And he says this to them in one of the most famous verses in Revelation. He's, Jesus says this to apathetic people who are ignoring him. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Isn't that an interesting verse? That Jesus says, I know you don't care a lot about me. I know you're just kind of going through the motions of life. I know you're apathetic and you ignore me a lot. But listen, I'm standing at the door and knocking and I just want to share a meal with you. Some of your neighbors need an invitation like that from you. 
because maybe that invitation to share a meal with you will help them understand that Jesus is offering them the same invitation. Does that make sense? Remember, the goal is not just your friendship. The goal is that they need Jesus. And you may be the one that points them there. Some of you need to go to your neighbor's door this week and knock and say, Please, won't you be my neighbor? No, don't say that. <laughs> Invite them to share a meal with you. I'm going to pray for us. God, help us to do this. God, this is a bunch of just practical stuff, but it all gets to what I feel like is your heart, God. Help us to love our neighbors. Help us. We've been talking about it for some weeks, but God, it's time for the for us to get serious and real about it. So this week, help me, help my wife, help my kids as we engage people around us, as we realize that life's not just all about me and all about the things I accomplish. God, help me be interested in others. Help me this week do something to begin to build a relationship that hopefully leads them to the real hope, the real peace, the real love that can only be found in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, speaking of sharing a meal, um, today we're going to take communion together. And you notice the two tables set up down front. I'm going to invite you in just a minute to come and take some juice and a little cup of juice and a piece of bread and return to your seat and take that. Call it communion or the Lord's Supper. You know, the reason we do that is because there is something about sharing a meal that says we're friends, right? Jesus did that with his friends, those 12 I talked about just before he was crucified. And when he did that, we call it the Last Supper, right? It was the night before he was crucified. He went into a room and he had shared a big meal with them. And as he was doing that, he took the bread and he passed it around. And he had already told them he's going to die on their behalf. And so he said, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. And he said, the cup of wine that they passed around, he said, this cup that we're drinking from, this wine represents my blood. It's going to be spilled for you. And then the next day, that's what happened, didn't it? Now, they may not have all understood it at the time, but now, 2,000 years later, we continue to do the same thing, to remember what Jesus did on our behalf. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I don't know about who Jesus is. And you're, listen, feel free. You don't have to take the, the juice and the bread. You don't have to do that. But maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I need Jesus. I know He died for me. If you know that, you believe that, then I invite you to come as we remember together the sacrifice that was made on our behalf to set us free, to connect us with God forever, to give us freedom and hope forever. So I'm going to invite you as the band sings to come and 
whenever you're ready and take it and return to your seat and you can take it at any time. And just prayerfully remember what Jesus has done for you. So I'm going to pray for us and then you're free to come and take the bread and the juice. Let's pray together. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he not only told us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but he demonstrated that when he died for us. He gave up his life so that we could have life with you forever, God. And God, help us never get beyond that. Let's never lose sight of the fact that the reason we're even here, the reason we sing, the reason we breathe, the reason we have hope, it's because what you did for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving up your son so that I could be forgiven and have life. As we remember this today, God, we pray that it would be the most important part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.